Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Works here full time just like I do. Um, and she loves behind-the-scenes stuff and even small group stuff. And so she's kind of out of her element today to be on the platform, um, but this is a treasure that I'm trying to pull out because she's really good up here. Uh, she just does, doesn't always like to be under these lights and cameras and all this kind of stuff. She'd rather do it in a small group or one-on-one, but I'm very thankful that you've joined me today, and uh, I think the people are going to get to see a little bit of the treasure today. So will you tell us what we're doing today? What's going on? We just thought it would be a really cool opportunity to sit down and really answer some questions about relationships. Some of them are about marriage. Some of them are not. Um, Some of them are just about relationships in general. Um, And we wanted to do it in kind of a different um, avenue of communication because I think that everybody learns differently. Some people are auditory learners. Some are visual learners. Um, And so hopefully uh, in this series we'll hit some of the things that really do help because there's nothing that's going to help our community be stronger, help the kingdom be stronger than for us to have strong relationships. So, Man, I agree with that. Anybody excited about these next few minutes? Yeah. I will do my best not to mess up this, this thing you got going here. It's, 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 it's strong, and I don't want to mess it up. I'm very happy being down there and just obsessing over the beetle bugs that are flying around or something like that then uh, and how I'm going to attack them this week Um, I've done that for like the last three months obviously I'm not the one that's going to cure that problem because I keep uh, looking up and be like I don't know how we're going to get them this week we've tried lots of things if you all have I don't know if you're praying for creatures to come in um to our to to, to find Jesus please just remove beetle bug from that list uh we'll take everything else everybody else can belong before they believe except for the beetle bugs so um, do you want me to start by pulling a question out, or do you want to ask me one first? Uh, I'll ask you one first. All right, let's see what we got here. We switched them up. If you were watching at 9 or if you were live at 9 in here, we, uh, we, we, we got some of the same questions, and we've added a couple so that we can hopefully answer more um, that came in online and, and that you might benefit from. Um, I hope you had your coffee. This first question is a doozy. Oh, this is the 11. They're good. Yeah. They're good? Nine o'clock, it's weird Nine, to talk about uh, sex first all right. thing. All right. If the, you all think this is weird at all, my 12-year-old is back there in the booth listening to all this. So, you know, we, we just, we prioritize that, that some things are just important. I love you, Eli. Ask him if he wanted headphones yeah. uh, to sit through this. He's doing lights. He wasn't supposed to be in here today, and, um, but he is, and I'm always glad when we can teach him from the stage. I just, this is... This is one of those days where I'm like, oh, we're going to do this today. So if your child is here and you may not want them to be a part of this, it's okay. Or you can just be awkward like me sitting here doing it as well. So, All right, let's do it. In a healthy marriage, how often do you have sex? <laughs> At least they're alive. These are actually laughing. That's when it was like crickets. Yeah. Um, we talked about this. Uh, this was a break little right in. Yeah, it was a little further into it. As last much year. as you can. I'm just throwing that out there. I'll say as much as you've agreed to. 
I think that's probably the better thing. Because I told him in, at nine, I was like, these are things you should talk about before you come into a covenant with God um, so that you don't fail, you know, like so that you don't get up and, and, and have to stand and answer for a behavior that you didn't follow through with. So I think um, obviously you need to have it often enough that you um, don't lead each other into uh, a situation where you might be tempted um, to find um, that fulfillment somewhere else. Um, but more likely than not, I think you need to discuss and find out what your expectation is in that area of your marriage, because most of the reasons that marriages fail are from unmet expectations. And so if you speak about it ahead of time and you let them know that you want a new diamond every anniversary, they won't fail, or at least they'll know before they stand before God and agree to that, you know? Uh, and the same thing with sex. If you want it every day, they need to agree to that before you expect it to occur. Um, so I think, where's the scripture you talked about in the first one about? First Corinthians chapter number seven. Yes, where it's, um, we're each other's bodies yeah. basically at the that The apostle point. Paul does, he talks about how that when you get married, that your body is no longer your own, that it actually now belongs to your spouse. And he goes on to say that the only time that you um, should separate and not be intimate, all right, is if you both have agreed upon it, and that is if you've determined that that time frame be spent praying. Problem, most couples that are not being intimate, it's not because they've been praying. Doesn't it say fasting, too? I think there's a, isn't it something in there about fasting. Maybe it is fasting, too, yeah. but I do know it's a time of dedication to God. Yeah. Can't say it that way. And so most couples don't that are not intimate. It's not because they're praying. It's because they're mad or holding it over one another's head. Um, and with this, and I, I can say this to the ladies: um, if you're not meeting that need in your man, um, we live in a pornographic culture, um, a world that's filled with adultery. It doesn't give him a right to look at pornography or to commit adultery and have an affair. But if you're not meeting the need, that is still a real need in his life. And it is your responsibility to meet it. I'm not giving him an out, but at the same time, we can't give you an out if you're not meeting that need. That, and, and the other thing is it is something you should agree upon. Um, like for instance, if, if one member wants it, every day and the other one's like once a week my encouragement is meet in the middle that there is give and take in this but it needs to be something that's mutually agreed upon amen i agree too i think that that's this is the biggest problem is that no one reads the manual for marriage which is in the Bible before they go and make these covenants typically. And so, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal. You're, you're, and maybe you got married before you got saved. Uh, or maybe you entered into that relationship before you got saved. And so you're doing all kinds of, you know, things out of order to a degree. And so you have to realize that sometimes you have to go back and check against the word of God to see if you are fulfilling the commitment. Because if you didn't know that that was, you know, that, that you are one and that you can put that, you know, then you don't know that. But now that you're saved, then you should know that. And if, don't we all want to be successful in marriage? I don't know anybody that signs up and be like, woo, can't wait for this to go terrible. I hope he's rich, you know, like, and didn't, you didn't sign a prenup, you know, like there's probably a few people like that, but for the most part, most of us want this to be successful. So if that's the case, know the guidelines from the Bible that, that teach you how to be successful at it. 
No. So good. Yeah. You want to pick one? a question? Yeah, I didn't know if there was another one on there. Oh, this is uh, on the back. In a fight, who apologizes first? Me. <laughs> uh, if we all said that, wouldn't that just be the right answer? Yeah. Me. We all need to apologize first. I, I kind of hit this in the first service, but I do believe that it's, um, and it's kind of a long way around, but when God created Adam, he created him from the dirt. And after he created Adam, God never went back to the dirt. It was just Adam. And then out of Adam came everything else, including his wife. Not only did his children come out of him, but Eve came out of him. Because the man is the source and the sustainer in the family. And what that means is it's kind of like the hidden beams in this building that are holding this building together. That is what the man does in the family and in the marriage. God holds the man responsible and me and I want you to hear me. He holds us responsible for the condition of our marriage. And so if our marriage is broken, it's my fault. If your marriage is broken, men, it's your fault. We, we, we are called to go first. That's what it means to be responsible. Everybody wants to quote, I'm the man of the house and the woman's to submit. Well, if you know that that means you are the support, you are responsible, God holds you accountable, and the condition of your marriage is, is directly uh, referring to your leadership as a man. And so the question, who apologizes first, um, I believe that I should as the man. Awesome. Well, I'll always go along with that. Um, <laughs> no, it was something you said as you were talking in there and about the, um, you know, being responsible for the home and stuff. I just, I, you know, we've been doing this a long time. We, uh, we took over as pastors in 2007. And so, um, we've seen a lot, um, just, you know, on the periphery sometimes, sometimes we're more involved because they've asked us to be in relationship problems, but most of the unhealthy marriages is when that topic he just talked about was out of balance. Um, and the woman was ruling the roost. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, some of the most unhealthy marriages, I mean, I, I've, I, we've dealt with, you know, adultery and other things like that and, and situations like that, but typically those kind of things either blow up and blow out or whatever, and they're, they're done and, and people move forward. But what people don't move forward from sometimes is that unhealthy balance of her leading that house constantly and, and they don't even have a voice. You have removed the voice of God in your life if the man in your home doesn't Preach. have a voice. That's what you've done. You want to understand why you're blessed or not blessed or why you're cursed or not cursed? Well, I'm going to church every time. I'm in a small group. I'm doing this. Well, make sure that he has a voice. Some of the most unhealthy marriages, and they're still married. Yeah. I can list names. I won't. We're live. Hello, online audience. I will not list names. but um, And that's just something I have seen consistently. And there's a reason there's an order. I am one of the most dominant personalities that can exist. I, I, but I have absolutely no trouble reading the Word of God and understanding that he put something in order for the house of God and who leads there and who he put in order over our home. I have no problem with this. And anybody that loves you is never going to make you feel like that role is something that you should dread. So, again, check these things before you say, I do. It's, it's, it's a great way to, to, to not have a marriage where you feel like you're constantly, like, being beaten down by, you're the, you know, I'm going to tell you what to do. That's not what it's about, but there is order in the home. It's really cool how God set it up, though. Yeah, the man's responsible, and he is the head of the house, but... 
At the same time, if he loves his wife like Christ loved the church, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. It's easy to submit to Christ because you know how much he loves you. The same is true, men. When we love our wife the way that we should, it's easy for them to follow our lead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The next question came in on Instagram. Where did uh, you and PK meet? Where did we meet? We met at a dance. We did. And it was because she came and started checking me out first. (laughs) He's not lying. <laughs> I'm not lying. Um, yeah, it was like 1995, I guess, is when 96. we met. 96. 96. 96. Um, yeah, because I was a senior, you were a junior. And we went to two different schools. She went to Logan High School. I went to Chapmanville High School. They're like 10 minutes apart, same county. Um, and her and a bunch of girls from Logan came to our dance at Chapmanville. And she saw me, and I was out there um, probably 1996, probably getting jiggy with it, you know, something. I think that was about 96. Um, and uh, she saw me, and I, she, she was friends with someone that I was friends with, and she inquired about me, and a few months later, um, once I found out she was, like, really interested, and I confirmed that a couple of times, I was like, good Lord, you have been good to me. Um, and just redirected my whole dating life to chase her. So that's how we met. That's how we met. Uh, so it, it can happen. We, we'll be married 19 years in September. So you can marry your high school sweetheart. Yes. Not always should you and not always should you not. So I think sometimes we just need to be uh, mindful that sometimes God's doing something um, in our students, in our, our children, like they, it, it's hard for us to believe that they would be making that type of decision or that God would align that then. And sometimes you don't meet them at that age. You don't meet them till much later in life because of what his purpose is for you. But um, I think it is important. It's harder for me as, as our boys approach that age um, of 16, 17 for me to think, oh, they, they ain't nowhere near. No, no, Jesus. No, they're nowhere ready to meet anybody that they're going to coven it up with. No, 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 we're not going to. And so, but it is the reality. And if we are praying parents, uh, approaching that, then we shouldn't be surprised when, um, when God aligns it and, and gives them what we've asked for. So my daughter right. can date when she's 30, 35, maybe 30, 35. 30, anywhere yes. in the 30s. Let's see. What does healthy conflict resolution look like within the church? Oh, I had to answer this one the last time. Um, I'll probably give you more examples of how it's not healthy because we see that every day. We're like on the Instagram, on the Facebook with our popcorn, reading the comments, you know, because we know, oh, who they're mad at this time? Who's not liking it? Who is liking it? You know, you're trying to figure out who, who is upset and who's not. I think the, the healthiest way to resolve conflict in the church is to handle it like two Christians should, which means, number one, you address it quickly before things can fester, but you also approach it with prayer Um, so that you can not come across with just assuming you're right and assuming they're wrong. Um, Lots of conflict has happened in the church that we've, uh, you know, experienced in two decades, you know, of doing this. And sometimes uh, it goes bad. Usually it goes bad. And that's a shame because we should be setting the tone for how conflict resolution should look. Um, I do feel like we have set up things and put things in place uh, with small groups and with having accountability and relationships, people who can speak to us and give us wisdom. Um, we've been intentional about you know, instituting that around here. But um, you have to allow yourself to be mentored. 
You have to allow someone to speak to your blind spot. And some people don't ever want to hear that they have one. They never want to hear that they're wrong. Um, so maybe um, in, in another attempt to approach that would be to, you, everyone has a friend who is not associated with drama usually. Uh, their life stays pretty even keel because they're just able to not get up in the highs and down in the lows. And so I often think that the best thing you should do is to you know, include them um, in your conversation or ask them to pray over you before you approach it. Um, and that's a good way to you know, have like a, a, a calming force at the conversation, but it's, it's best to address it. It's not best to go and find 15 people you're going to know or are going to agree with you and then all 15 of you are mad at them now. You know, that's, that's insane. That is so crazy that we, in 2020, can't find a better way to behave as Christians. God didn't die on a cross so that we could act like that. Whoop. Don't share the meme. You know, don't go on Pinterest and find 14 quotes, you know, and share them and share them and share them. It's so much drama. And he has so much more for your relationship than that. So I, I would approach it, number one, in prayer with some wisdom, uh, maybe from the outside and... Um, and then let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I think as it relates to conflict resolution, um, I think the world should be able to look at the church to learn how to do it. The problem is that the church is so bad at it. Um, and I can say that because I'm a pastor and I watch people fight all the time. You know, they, I'm mad at them or I'm mad at this one. And I see that all the time. It's unfortunate, but... Um, even Matthew 18, when it says you have a problem with someone, you're supposed to go to them. Christians don't do that. They like do not go to them at all. They never have a conversation. Um, and I think we live at the mercy of our own emotions. Preach. We, instead of understanding, we actually have control of the temperature of our relationships. That I can actually, instead of just being a thermometer where I just reflect what's going on, I can, be, I can choose to be a thermostat and set the atmosphere of every relationship. My marriage, my, my coworkers, every, I can set that. I'm in more control than I think I am. But a lot of times we, we just live at the mercy of our emotions and we say things like, well, if they would change or if I didn't have to do eight, and we, we have all these fill in the blanks when we really could do it God's way and change the course of all those relationships. Yeah, we really could. Yeah. Sometimes people don't want to uh, actually realize that the drama that hits all their relationships actually, I'm not even looking, I can't see you in the crowds. If you think I'm making eye contact with you right now, I am not. Um, Sometimes we are the drama. If it's with your family and it is with your friends and with your coworkers and your kids, like, there's a common denominator, you know. If somebody's trying to tell you that, they're not the enemy. They may really be trying to help you. And so I, I, it's some of the things that we've kind of butted up against when we've tried to help people. They can't see it. And if you can't hear from wise counsel, you're going to be miserable most of the days of your life. And I'll, I'll just add, the truth hurts sometimes yeah. and a lot of times we don't want to be confronted with the truth of our actions behaviors and how it's affecting our relationship just an example um you know Karen and I one of our down seasons like we're when we were just not doing as as good as we should be doing um she was trying to tell me that I was being selfish and I couldn't hear her like, I, I didn't want to hear that because that sounded, that's not who I am. I'm not selfish. Um, 
and, and the reason I, I responded like that is because it was true. It, it was so true. I was living selfishly. Um, but it was when I applied that truth and said, you know what, I want to change that part of who I am. I don't want to live selfishly that our relationship got a lot better. Um, but you got to be willing to embrace truth if you're going to make any conflict go away, if that makes sense. Um, got a question here about, I guess, potential marriage. Okay. Um, their parents don't find me worthy of buying the field. Ooh. Isn't that tough? It's a tough one. It is very tough. Um, as I can approach that from two different sides, I, I want to. Um, number one, I know what it's like to be a parent, and I'm not sure that we ever think the other person is good enough. Um, I'm not sure I can, you know, I'm, I'm praying for them already and I want to believe that God is uh, creating those perfect partners for them that can handle their strengths and their weaknesses um, and all those different things. But I know what it's like to be a parent and I'm not sure that I ever really am going to be like, yes, 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 you know, like they're amazing and they're wonderful. Like somebody can be amazing, but when it comes to being for your baby, you don't always see it that way. Um, on the flip side of that, I know what it's like to be the person in love, knowing that you have had a connection and that you, it's a God-ordained thing, and not have that support. Um, and so it's, it's very difficult because I want to have grace for the parents because I know how difficult that is to, to, to surrender off this, this thing you've been responsible for for a long, long time that God entrusted to you and you don't want them to make any mistakes um, or, or mess up their future. Um, but I also know what it's like to be like, I'm, I'm coming into this decision and I'm, I'm at that age where I'm, I'm allowed to make that decision and you're telling me I don't have any wisdom. And so we have to walk that really... Um, carefully. We have to navigate that road really carefully because we want them to be able to trust their decision making. We want to give counsel, we want to give wisdom, but we don't get to decide if there's any treasure in another person. The word of God already says there is. Um, and so we, we need to, number one, remember that. And number two, remember that if we trust him, and we've given our, 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 our wisdom as much as we can, sometimes we just have to sit back and entrust them to the one who loves them even more than we do. Um, so I think you have to be, you know, if you're that person going through that, um, you have to stand on your two feet and know what you know. And your partner has to know what you know. If they don't know and they have to listen to mommy and daddy and they, they don't know, then they're probably not the one. But if you two can come together and you agree with that and you're seeking counsel and you're in a relationship where God is first, then I think you have to know what you know. Because if I had listened, I probably wouldn't be married to this amazing man beside of me. And so um, that's, that's the reality of the situation. Sometimes we don't know where people are going to end up. Can you say that again, that part about me being amazing? <laughs> I wouldn't be married to this amazing man. You want me to I agree with get one of those big uh, leaves and fan you or something? No, nah, That would I'm make good. really good TV, wouldn't it? I'm good. I agree with your answer, though. I think you've got to know if you're in that situation that you are a treasure and whether, um, you know, the in-laws agree um, with them picking you or not, you still have a treasure. And I also need to speak to this real quick because we didn't say it in the first service. Um, when you get married, you leave mommy and daddy to join yourself to your husband or wife. I'm going to drop the mic right there because a lot of you, 
You, the, the worst thing about your marriage is that mommy and daddy are still dictating everything going on. I didn't plan on saying that. Well, I'll add, because, you know, I like to stir a good pot. Um, no, yeah, you, you do that while I do this, okay? No, but you, you need to realize, too, if it is already hard and difficult, you're marrying into that. Like, that is their family. That is their support system. That is their, um, their, their family unit. And, and, yes, you do cleave to your wife and your husband, like, after you leave and everything like that, but... If it's miserable now, it's going to be miserable every Thanksgiving. Like, use some wisdom. You may think he's hot. He might be sexy. I don't know. But, but you're still going to deal with that mess. And so it doesn't really change after you say, I do. Like, everybody may hold it together if they're nice and kind through the ceremony. Um, they might not, but they might. But then you're still going to have that the rest of your life. You don't get to change someone when you get married. That's not part of the deal. You're marrying what you're marrying. If he's not standing up for you to mama now, he ain't going to stand up to you to mama for you later. Same for her. If she's not doing it now, she's not going to do it later. If she will pick mommy and daddy yeah, over you. If every holiday has to be dictated around their meal plan and everything like that, oh, but that's just how it is in our family. Well, before you say I do, talk about it. Make sure that she wants to spend Thanksgiving in the backside of the woods, you know? While you hunt, and she's now there with her mother-in-law making pies. She may not like to make pies, and she may not like your mom that much. Like, that's the reality. You are marrying the whole thing. So, yeah, he can cleave to you and say, oh, I'm doing it either way, but you still got to deal with that mortgage payment that, you know, that you signed up for for the rest of eternity, and unless you just want to fail. Um, and no one, I think, wants to go into this and fail. So I think that's really important to do. There's a treasure in all those in-laws. I mean, there's treasures in, in, in everybody. But if there's already a ton of conflict, don't ignore that. That is a real reason to know you're going to probably continue to have that conflict later. I think that's really good stuff, by the way. You want to pick one now? I'll pick you one. Let me ask you a question. Let me see. Oh, my. Ooh. Is it ever okay to use sex as a manipulation tool? Y'all know the answer to that, don't you? No, it's never okay to use um, sex as a manipulation tool. Um, I know it happens in a lot of relationships. If you don't do what I want you to do, then you're not getting sex. You're cut it, off. Yeah. Absolutely. They're going to put the ugly clothes on that night, you know. Flannel PJs, you know. Um, face mask on, you know, you're looking yeah. like some type of crazy walking in there. I'm going to let you answer Don't even, one. don't even, everybody acting like they don't know anything we're talking about. They do, they do. and it is, it's a, the reality. It's, it's used, what, we're, you know what we're doing? We're perverting a gift from God yeah. when you I treat it like that. that. And manipulation is, the scripture is very clear, it's, it's witchcraft. Any relationship that I am trying to control the outcomes of, that's, that's actually the opposite of love. It's the opposite of love. Love is not trying to control the outcomes. Love is just present. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love it, it, it is the bridge to take us where we want to go in a relationship. And sex is not the only thing people use as manipulation, in a, especially in a marriage. A, a lot of people use money. I pay the bills so you'll do what I say. That's called witchcraft. That's called spirit of rebellion. 
Um, so we got to be very careful never to fall into manipulation, whether it be sex, money, or any other avenue. So good. Yep. You want to ask one? Yeah. I think that's the one we're saving. Oh, okay. I don't like leaning up there. I'm sorry. I'll grab it for you next oh, time. Oh, we didn't hit this one. What is your love language? I'm supposed to ask, answer yours. Yes. Chad's love language is touch. Whoop. Touch. <laughs> capital T. If she'll just capital o, hold me. Capital U, capital C, you know, capital H. I have feelings, you know. I'm not just, if she'll just hold me. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and he reproduced this. We now have uh, two of our three children whose love language is touch. And it is like, man, it wears me out. Even our dog, I think his love language is touch. Like, what is with you? Like, I got to touch everybody. And I'm not that person. I'm okay. Like, I'm okay over here. Like, don't, t- don't hug me. Chad thinks I'm like being, like, I don't even like to be tickled. It hurts. Like, physically, I don't like As it. As she laughs, she says it yeah, hurts. You're, it's, it's, it's what your body does. It doesn't mean you enjoy it. Like, it's, I, I don't like it. No. Nah. So I'm, I'm okay on this part of the couch. Like, I don't need to be held to feel good. No, I don't. Like, they're there. That's right. Yeah. And, but that's not Chad. Chad's love language is touch. And so it, why do we ask that question? It's because you need to know what your partner's love language is. And, um, and that's another area that sometimes people use manipulation. Like, I'm not going to fulfill that because I know that's what they want, but I'm not going to give it to them because I'm mad because last week he didn't take the garbage out or he watched too much ESPN or whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, I think, what, what's mine? What do you think mine is? Quality time or gifts. Yeah. I think you like both of those. Yeah, I think quality time. So as long as I mine. buy you something, you're good. No, I think I think you spend time with me. It's good. <laughs> I'm playing with you. I know. Uh, here, here's I do want to make a comment. A lot of times, and I did this early on. I thought because my love language was touch, that that was hers too. Just auto, so I tried to show her love the way I received it instead of the way she needed it. So it's not just important that you know your love language. You need to know your spouse's love language so that you can, you know, you, you can take care of them in that way. So that they, like, she's not going to feel loved because I hug her. Even though when we hug, I feel like, you know, this is awesome. Um, but that, that's not how she receives love. And every, there's five love languages, by the way. And if yeah, you've never read that book, you need to pick it up, read it, so that you can love your spouse in a way that they actually receive it. That's true. And, and, and you need, and it's, it works for spouses, but I think they have different versions of it so that you can love other people based upon their love language. And I think that's really important if you want a healthy work environment. Um, obviously, if their love language is touch, maybe you got to get a new job. I don't know. Like, don't, don't fall into that trap. But it is good to know, like, you know, not to waste your time doing something. Just walk around things. the office petting people weirdly. Well, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. But I do think sometimes people, like, if, if we think it's words of affirmation and we're saying that all the time, but we're never getting, you know, anything in return from that other person, and we need to know that maybe that's not what makes their meter move. And so they would rather, you know, you think of their favorite, you know, candy bar or something. Um, so everybody's different. And so it just helps in all your relationships, very much like when we teach the um, different personality types in Next Steps. It's good to know what makes each person kind of tick. Um, when you're working together as a team, it makes it easier. Um, if you could go back, 
what would you tell your 21 or 22-year-old self about marriage? We got married at 21 and 22. Um, that's an easy one for me because I felt like, I feel like, number one, I would have uh, told myself I need premarital counseling. Um, I grew up in a church that just believed prayer solved everything. And I'm all about prayer, and I'm all about praying over your marriage, and I, I think it's powerful. But um, basically in the church I grew up in, you love her, she loves you, you're good to go. If you have trouble, pray, and if you're real anointed, the, all the problems will leave. Um, and, but they gave us no practical application in, in how to navigate relationships. So number one, I'd tell myself I need premarital counseling. And secondly, I would tell myself not to be selfish, that to be married means that her needs are now more important than mine. That's what it means to be married, uh, that, that I can no longer live for me that I now live for her. her, her desires and her needs are more important than mine. Um, and I didn't know that when we first got married. And so I, that's what I would tell myself. Yeah, I think that's so important. And just as like a tag along to that, I think uh, premarital counseling is amazing um, in itself because you can ask a lot of questions, you're intentional. It seems like a lot more of the, um, the, the marriages that we are receiving, especially from those that are, it's their first marriage and things, that they are definitely seeking that out. And I think it's super uh, wise uh, to seek counsel. And mainly because I think you're going to need someone to talk to about the problem probably sooner than you even think. Um, and so it opens up that door to know, number one, I should expect that I need to come back and talk to you because it's not weird for a marriage to have issues. Uh, whereas some people try to like just push it all down and ignore it um, until, it, and then we're just seeing the, you know, we, we, we get the, the broken piece of paper like, oh, it's over, you know, and, that, and like, pray for me. Well, we would have loved to try to help you. And sometimes you can't resolve anything, you know, we can do everything we want to do, but it's just broken. And, and, but normally when you're approaching um, conflict with wise counsel, all of us can get better, you know, and so I think that's really important. And I think um, we need to, and, and not, some people come from marriages or come into a marriage with a very healthy model showcased to them um, by their parents and their grandparents and maybe their great-grandparents. And, um, and that's wonderful. And some people come in with a, a model that taught them a lot of things but not maybe how to be successfully married. And so they also have a lot of opinions on how to not make that mistake and I, I'm not going to fall into that trap and all these different things. And so sometimes you can feel inferior if you've been the one that's came from a broken home to think, well, they must know everything. You know, their parents stayed together. They've seen this. this. And, and so you can come into it and, and maybe they don't know nothing about marriage because their parents never fought in front of them. They, they don't know how to healthy fight. Like the first time they fight, they're going to cry back to mama because they don't know what to do with this. No one ever taught them that. So we, you, you have to have those healthy conversations on the front end. You're not doomed to have a divorced marriage because every generation before you did. You're not. Right. And you're not doomed to have a divorce in the second marriage just because the first one did. You know that, but you have to seek out wise counsel. You need to be prayerful. All these tools are out there for a reason, and we need to utilize them. And so I, I, that's what I, I, I think is important. We've, we've, I, I, it's crazy, like you were saying, like, well, we're going to pray for you as a church or whatever. Like, but no one really will sit down and talk to you 
about the how issues. How to be a husband. How to be a how husband, to be a how to be a wife, how, how you're wrong in something or how you're, and so yeah, we've even had people <laughs> like, well, they drive down the road listening to Christian music. How many young people do there? How bad could their marriage be? Your marriage can be terrible and you drive down the road and listen to Christian music. Just I'm going to take FYI. a step further. You can speak in tongues all day and your marriage be Preach. terrible. It, it, there is so no much claps to right be there, said. but it's the truth. There's so much to be said to seek to wise counsel and when other people can maybe see a blind spot for you. And so that's why I think premarital counsel is great is because, yeah, like whatever you talk about with them before answering some of these questions before you take a covenant are very important to know. Like she wants to go on this vacation at Christmas and she wants to, you know, he wants to be able to you know, take off for a week and hunt on this week. And like you need to know those things, like, because she may not agree to that. She may not want her money going into that, that bow fund, you know. And you may not want your money going into the beach fund, you know. Uh, but you might not need to get married if that's the case. If nobody's willing to bend, then this, it, you should look for someone who's more compatible to you. Um, that's really important. And, but, but on the other side of it is knowing that you have someone to go back to. And never be afraid to ask for help in marriage. Never. Uh, it's the most important relationship you have next to Jesus. Why let that be toxic? Yeah. We'll, we'll hold on to that stuff. We'll go to work and we'll, we'll be, you know, maybe moody or whatever, or withdrawn or whatever. And we'll never open up or seek advice or anything like that. But man, like we get in a fight with a coworker, everybody on Facebook, Instagram, the post office, everybody knows what's going on with you. You talk to everybody. Oh, and let me tell you what else she did. Let me tell you what else they did at this one. And like, we'll talk about that stuff all day long. And that relationship, while it may be a good friendship, it probably isn't, um, and you're spending all this time on it, and you're willing to talk to everybody about it, but you won't talk to anybody about the, the covenant that you made with someone else and God. We got to look at what we're doing, and we're setting ourselves up for failure sometimes because of that. Um, in the Bible, when Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, what does that mean? It means solve your issues quickly. Um, kind of piggybacking off the previous question, a lot of times when couples come to me for help, they've waited way too long. Um, they have 10 years of resentment and bitterness built in, and they come in and dump it all out and want me to fix it in a 30-minute session. Um, I can't fix that. I can't fix 10 years of bitterness. Um, and I do believe that when we don't, fix things quickly. The Bible is very clear. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath that we should figure out a way to, if we can't resolve it, at least be at peace before we go to bed. Because I believe bitterness happens while we're sleeping. I do believe that. I believe that when we get mad and we don't deal with things properly and we go to bed on it continuously, I believe a root of bitterness takes place. Uh, and I'm that guy. I get on her nerves sometimes because if we're not getting along, I won't let her go to bed. We're going to have the conversation. We're to going sleep. to talk. It's 2.30 in the morning, and we got to get up at 6, but you're still going to talk. I would rather have one night of no sleep than the next six months of us being mad. So let's figure that out. And I think we got to do a better job at resolving conflict, especially in our marriage, quickly. So good. True. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, but it's true. You know, uh, I'd much rather, um, I probably could have been an attorney, 
because I can argue both sides of almost any point. Uh, just, that's how my personality is set up. I'm a DS. And so sometimes I argue with myself. Um, a lot of times I argue with myself. I can see both sides of a lot of different things. And so, uh, but I have no problem coming up with a really good argument. And like, I, I can use big vocabulary words and the tone of my voice, the dialogue. Like I, and then I want you to just go deal with that, what I just gave you. Like, go think about what you did and feel bad about yourself. Like, you know, that's how I am. Like, he's all like, let's get better and let's stop. You know, like, he's happy and lo- loving. And, and I, if I'm mad, I'm not always like, okay, let's join together and pray and turn the Gaithers on, you know? Like, no, no. I'm feeling way more Tupac right now than Gaither, you know? Like, you get out through there and think about what you did, you know? Like, that's where I'm at usually, especially at 2 in the morning. Like, I'm not, like, I just want to go to sleep. I need a nap. I want to let the Holy Spirit talk to me and give me some sense because I probably don't have any right now. But um, I... It's trying to give you sense <laughs> with the, the man of God in your house. That's exactly I mean, right. come on. So, but again, you need to know how your partner fights before you get married. Like, if you've never had a fight and you're just rolling up to the courthouse or whatever, like, whoo. That might be da- dangerous. Like, she might be way meaner than you think. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I tell people all the time, if you hadn't had one good fight, you don't need to get married. No, no. Like, you need to know how they respond in conflict. Because they may be the kind that, you know, while you're sleeping, <laughs> cut on you. I don't know what people do, but you need to find out <laughs> how that joker is going to act and how she's going to act. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. think I'm silly enough to stab you with a knife and, like, you know, leave a trail of, like, evidence? No, you won't leave evidence. You'll bury the body and they'll never find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it depends on if they need that for the life insurance or not, you know? Like, you, sometimes if you If I the turn body. up missing, y'all, I'm telling you, don't let her cash this thing in. <laughs> don't let oh, her do it. Oh, my goodness. No, no. I love you. Even if you do want to stay you. up and fight. Um... Oh, this is a good one. We didn't get to this one last time. What relationship advice would you give teenagers? That's an awesome one. Um, one. I think the best advice I could give teenagers um, and even parents of teenagers is that probably the most important decision you can make for them is who they are able to hang around. Um, Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. There were certain individuals growing up I knew if I got in the car with them that I was on my way to do something wrong. And it was all about who I was connected to. So I I think it's all about who you surround yourself with. If if you're a teenager in the room, um, you need to surround yourself with people that actually make you want to be better, that pull the treasure out of you. So many times we get around people that pull the field out of us instead of the treasure out of us. Get around the, the right people that pull the good things out of you, not the negative. Yeah, I think that's so good. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what piece of advice I would give them. I think, you know, um, trusting yourself. You know, I think sometimes we, we ignore um, the evidence, the, the writing on the wall maybe. Um, if someone is not a good friend, um, you get that indicator typically before they mess you over completely. Um, you, there's some writing on the wall, but sometimes we don't look for it. 
Um, and it's not that you're looking for the negative in anybody, but um, there are signs. And so I don't think I was really good at doing that. I don't even know until my 30s maybe. I, I still was choosing friends sometimes that were just not great um, at, at, at caring about me. The relationship was all about what they needed in that moment. They were always in crisis. They, you know, like those sort of things. And it's not that they're bad people. It's just that they haven't, they haven't evolved in their relationships to start to really care about the other person. So knowing, you know, how to pick a good friend, um, is important. And so, um, trusting your parents or your youth pastor, your student pastor, a teacher, a coach, somebody that you do trust already, um, that you know has like invested in you and has your well-being um, at heart, listen to them if they say, maybe pause, you know, don't, don't go that direction or don't hang out with that one. Um, because I think um, half of our, you know, friendships and relationships are what develop into, you know, marriage potential anyway, on, on, you know, for, for, if you, if you have guy friends and, and girlfriend, depending on who you are, are, you're hanging out with at that age, because in the beginning, they're still not interested in actually like, you know, being romantic. They're just still being friends, but know who is like caring about you and who would just toss you aside. And sometimes we don't want to look at that because we don't want to like not be in that crowd anymore uh, or be excluded. Girls are catty. Um, I, I really had a good experience growing up. I didn't have, I had a great group of friends. Um, my best friend and I became best friends at, when she moved uh, to our neighborhood in the second grade and we're still best friends and uh, she is still the one that I will text if anything's going uh, wrong and she volunteers to, to, to help bury bodies, you know, just joking. She's not going to bury anybody's body, but she would if I asked her to, I bet. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I would her, you know, and, and we'd just be that, that Bonnie and Clyde or what is, what is the, the, the Thelma and Louise or whatever. I don't Watch know. We're not driving off the cliff. I'll tell you that. We might jump off a cliff into a big Caribbean ocean. She and I are going to have fun wherever we're at, but we're not going to uh, drive off a cliff. But um, where was I at? Oh, friends. This I don't is why know I don't get up here very often because I can get on a rabbit trail real quick. But I think, you know, picking friends... And, and, and knowing who has your back is very important. And the better the quality of your friendships, the better the quality of any romantic relationship you'll have because you'll have someone who is watching out for you. Um, I would have never let her be with anyone who was uh, treating her badly and, and vice versa. So having that support group, it's, it's very important for guys and girls, I think, to, to know, number one, who you're around the most is going to put you in proximity to probably whoever you're going to be dating. And then, um, so that helps. And then also just knowing how to choose a good friend. Yeah, so good. Y'all thankful that Pastor Karen was able to join us today? We have this one. I'll do this one for the setup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you all stand to your feet with us today? I want you to stand with us because I think this question is a, a great setup. But the question is, what is the one most valuable thing you can do to make any relationship you have better? Any relationship you have better. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that without Christ, we, we would have struggled even more. Um, that having Jesus in our lives has made our marriage better. It has made our parenting better. It has made our friendships better. Uh, every part of our life is enhanced through a relationship with Jesus. So you, you may be married today and struggling, but if you don't know Christ, man, I'm telling you, not just for salvation so that you can make it to heaven, but I'm, I'm saying bringing a little heaven into your earth, into your home, into your family, and into your marriage 
all of that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, if you would, if you would just bow your heads in this moment and close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. I want to speak to those in the room and those watching online today. But if you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to save you, to come into your heart, to be your personal Lord, your personal Savior, if that's you and you're in the room, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Christ today. I, thanks for this hand over here. God bless you. Thanks for these hands. I see several over here. God bless each and every one of you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. Anyone else before we pray? Another one. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Three more online as well. Such a powerful moment. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together. And I don't want you to have to pray all by yourself. So I'm going to give you some words that's going to express what God is doing in your heart. And just ask that you would repeat these after me today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me and to forgive me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give all those folks a big hand clap right there. Come on, give them a big God bless you. Listen, if you're in-house and you made that commitment to Christ, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a moment to pull that out during this last worship song, just let us know who you are by filling it out and saying, you know, I'm choosing to follow Christ. If you'll stop by guest services, our team will help you uh, with your next step. And um, we just want to come alongside you and help you. How many enjoyed our time together today? Did you enjoy it? Amen. I enjoyed sharing the platform with my beautiful wife today. Um, I've asked that the prayer team not come forward today. And the reason is because I believe people need to spend um, the few minutes we have during this last song to really pray about your relationships. And I, I don't mean just your marriage. I'm talking about your friends, like who you're surrounding yourself with, if there's any conflict in your life. As we sing this last song, pray about those issues. There is power in prayer. Um, not that God just automatically heals everything. He can do that. But do you know God could give you wisdom and a strategy as you pray in this moment to know how to go and handle something in a positive way? Um, I am so thankful for Christ in my life and for the relationships he's given me. And I know that he wants to bless your relationships as well. Before we sing this last song, can you give Jesus the highest praise you have all day? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.